Hello, Tim Grawl here with the Book Launch Podcast. And this week, we are going back over stuff with Valerie. So she's done her homework, and we go over some of that. But one of the things we really dive into that I think is important and very tough for everybody, not just writers, not just fiction writers or anybody, whether you're running a business or anything, is figuring out who exactly you're talking to and being very clear about that. It's a hard thing to do. It can be scary. You can feel like you're going to maybe alienate people that would be interested in what you're doing. You feel like you don't want to leave anybody out, but it's also a really important practice. And so in this episode, we kind of walk through that. I talk about you know how to do this and why it's so important. And you can kind of hear as Valerie and I struggle through this kind of thing. So it's a really important episode. It's something that everybody that's trying to build any kind of following really needs to be clear on. So that's what we're going to go over in this episode. So this podcast is all about marketing, launching your book. But if you're an author and you have a book, book coming out, book already out, you're doing something special. You're doing something that most people are afraid to do, in my opinion. They're actually going after that thing that they want. Everybody says they want to write a book. You've actually done it. You're actually doing it. And what that means is that you have a dream that you're trying to accomplish. You have this idea of the kind of writer you want to be, the kind of life you want to live, the kind of artist you want to be. And so I wrote my book, Running Down a Dream, Your Roadmap to Winning Creative Battles for People Just Like You. Based on my last decade of overcoming my creative battles, of being stuck in the mud, stuck feeling like I'm always going to be a failure, stuck feeling like this thing that I want is stupid and never going to happen. And I wrote this book to share the true journey of what this looks like. A lot of self-help books, a lot of books about creativity, they kind of share, oh, what was really hard. And then look at all the awesome stuff I learned. And this book is different. It will walk you through what I think the real story of running down a dream really, really looks like. So I put everything in there. And on top of that, I put the tools I learned along the way. So if you know anything about me and my work, you know I can't help but be practical. So I took that story of running down my dream, of chasing what I wanted in life, of overcoming creative battles, and I broke it down into really practical tools that you can apply to overcome your own creative demons. So Running Down a Dream is out now. It's at Amazon and all the other different places that you can buy books. It's available uh, audiobook, ebook, and paperback. So check it out, buy a copy, share one with a friend, and it's a great way to support this show. Thanks. Welcome to the Book Launch Podcast, helping authors launch and market their books. Last week, you had me contact Mel Hammond of the Writers on the Road podcast. That's the podcast that I had been on when I was first putting out my book. And you had me ask her for referrals. Okay, so I did that. And she's so lovely. She got back to me right away with two great referrals. And she was super supportive. And she actually had a couple of other ideas for me of places that I could go outside of her type of podcast, because her podcast is for obviously writers and creatives. So that's awesome. I was thrilled with that. Great. Did it surprise you? 
You sound surprised. Well, she got back to me. It, well, well, not. I'm not surprised because it's Mel. But not everyone is, I think, going to be quite so enthusiastic as she is. She got back to me so quickly. I kind of sent it out yeah. thinking, well, you know, maybe in a few days I'll hear back from her. And given our 14 and a half hour time difference, I certainly wasn't expecting to hear, hear back very quickly. <laughs> but I sent it to her in the evening, woke up in the next morning and realized that she'd gotten back to me right away, which was which was wonderful. That's great. So I'm going to continue to investigate the two podcasts that she recommended and sort of listen to some of their episodes and get to know them before I contact them. So which ones did she recommend? Rights for Women podcast, and the host is Pamela Cook, and the Australian Writers Center, and the host would be Valerie Koo. What were some of the other ideas? She's going to a conference, and what she did was mention the conference in the email, which I looked up, and they're just beginning to get organized. I never knew there was such a thing. I really didn't. And I thought, well, in our last podcast, you talked about going on podcasts that weren't directly related to what you were writing about. Like, I think you said you did a, a knitting podcast, something like that. Correct. Yeah. Well, yes, I'm a, I'm, I do two podcasts now. So I certainly know something about podcasting. Ours is obviously one-on-one -on -one, and then the Roundtable podcast, which is a much bigger production with five people. And we have a lot of research to do between episodes and so forth. So they're totally different podcasts and totally different experiences. So I'm going to, I thought I would just check that out and just to see if there was any such thing as podcasts for podcasters or podcast as a tool for building a business and so forth. There might be something there. It's worth looking into. Okay. Then I started to brainstorm a list of other areas outside the obvious podcasts about women's fiction where I might be able to investigate. So the obvious ones are writing and editing and creativity. Maybe something about self-publishing or indie authorship, although I'm wondering if I have quite enough experience yet to do that. I'm not sure. I could do parenting shows. I'm a single parent, so there, I definitely have lots to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> and there are lifestyle types of podcasts that I might have something to offer as well. So things like you know, in, term, in terms of lifestyle, juggling a career and parenthood and fitness and starting a second career, midlife, all that kind of stuff. So those are other topics that I could explore. Okay. So then I went back to the main topic that you sent me off to research, you know, podcasts about women's fiction. Holy rabbit hole, Batman. Eh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just was all over the place, you know, surprise, surprise. I was all over the place. I started with the easy stuff. I just Googled podcasts about women's fiction or podcasts about books for women, podcasts about love stories, which <laughs> returned some interesting results. <laughs> uh, so what I found, there was a lot of podcasts that were literary and they interviewed traditionally published authors who are already established, like the Leanne Moriarty's of the world. And I mm -hmm. couldn't really see a lot of indie authors, although that was my first layer of research. So I haven't ruled those out, but at first blush, they didn't seem to be the type of podcast that might entertain an indie, although I don't know. There were lots of book okay. club podcasts, and I thought, aha, book club podcasts. My book would be a great book club novel. 
So I think that angle is promising. The podcasts I found so far, however, are not interview based. What they are is a group of friends getting together to talk about books they liked and disliked, right? They're like you would in a book club. Right. I ended up with like a wide range of podcasts about various women's issues. I spent a lot of time doing this before I stopped and said, all right, before I get too far down this very beautiful rabbit hole, I got to take a step back and identify who my ideal reader is. So if I can only have a thousand people read my book, who would that thousand people be? What do they look like? How do they show up in the world? And this has always been really challenging for me, I think because it's given the genre that I'm writing in, because women's fiction is pretty broad, right? While it, it says books for women, it doesn't say what types of books for women. And if you look at, like in the story grid world, we talk about genre as having two sides to it. There's the marketing side, and then there's the writing side. So while women's fiction is a marketing genre, as a writer, it could be a society story, it could be a love story, it could be a crime story or a thriller. It's a whole lot of stuff. So I had to figure out who my ideal reader is. And when I studied marketing in university, believe it or not, I actually did study marketing in university, a couple of courses. It was all old school marketing. So it was what I call old school marketing. So it was focus groups and demographics and how to write a business plan for a coffee shop out in Tickle Me Arse Cove somewhere or a bricks mm -hmm. and mortar shop, none of which applies to me. And that was all demographics. So, you know, a, a person with this type of job who drives this type of a car, who earns this much money a year. And I don't think that really applies quite so much to books. So the closest I got was that maybe my books appeal to women who are 35 and above but not necessarily. Well, so you're so another kind of thing, you know, another way of saying this is that you're figuring out your niche, right? Yeah. And one of the things, so everybody I've ever talked to about niches struggles with this concept is this fear that they're going to leave people out that, you know, will be interested or are interested or are buying or and so on. So, and I understand that, but what I find is a niche helps. It only ever helps. So the first time I figured this out was early on, I had graduated college with a computer science degree. I had a job that I hated. And so I was starting to pick up freelance work and believe it or not, one of the first websites I ever built was on the pre- alpha release of WordPress. So this is like a long, long time ago where there were no plugins. There was just, I think it was called like the hacks file. And you had to like dump any like plugin code that you like scrounged from a forum into this one file, you know, anyway. So I, I was really early to the game just by accident on building websites on WordPress. So as WordPress started taking off, I was doing freelance work and I would kind of do whatever came along. You know, I would work on online stores. I would help people build a blog. I would help people build, you know, just like a website for their real estate business, you know, li literally whatever people would give me money to do. 
But what I was finding is I wasn't getting as many referrals. And when people asked me what I did, they kind of glazed over because I'm like, well, you know, I do web development. So I, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. And they just kind of like, uh, you know, they don't understand, like, they just don't have an easy way to remember what you do. And so after a while, I had picked up some clients that needed me to do WordPress. And at the time, WordPress kept getting hacked by everybody too. So you would have your WordPress site up and then, you know, you'd come to it and there'd be all these, you know, links to like Japanese porn or whatever. <laughs> and then like, and then the problem was, is they would put in back doors to the website. So even if you cleaned it off, you know, you come back a week later and it's all back. And so I knew how to fix that stuff. And so I started telling people, hey, I'm the WordPress guy. If you need anything with WordPress, if your site gets hacked or you just need a site set up or you want a new feature, you know, just come to me. I'm the WordPress guy. I can do anything with WordPress. And I just started telling everybody that. And I started getting more and more and more referrals. But the funny thing is, is about half of the referrals coming in had nothing to do with WordPress. What would happen is, is somebody would be talking to somebody else and say, hey, I, I need to I need to be able to like put a gallery of pictures on my web store. And right now I can only put one picture. Do you know anybody that knows how to do this? And they say, well, Tim knows WordPress, which is like web stuff. So he might be able to help you. And they pass my name along. Where in the past, because there was no simple way for them to understand what I did, there was no easy way for them to pass along. Like I was not top of mind. So one thing that niching does is it makes it really, really easy to refer you, even if it's to somebody that isn't in the niche that you're being referred. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like you need something that brings you top of mind that people understand and kind of grab a hold of. And then they'll pass you along, even if it's not a perfect fit. So that's one side of it. The other side that I think is even more relevant to you is that it really narrows in what you're spending your time on. One of the problems when you stay too broad is it's hard to figure out who you should be talking to, right? right? It becomes this kind of like, well, you know, well, anybody would, you know, any woman would be interested in my book. And so I don't know, should I like be, you know, should I be on this podcast? Should I be? A, and you can kind of get stuck just spinning, not really knowing where you should be. Right. And, that, and that's exactly where I got this week. I thought, okay, no, it's not every woman who's going to be interested in what I'm writing. And I knew that when I started writing it. And the whole reason I, I wrote it is because I couldn't find the type of book that I wanted. So mm. I wrote it for me and basically my group of friends who were also couldn't find the type of book that they wanted. And the people who like my book really like it a lot. The people who don't like my book don't like my book. It's not for them, which is fine, right? So right. I had to go back to my various and sundry notes on marketing and finding ideal readers. And because this is the place where I seem to get stuck. Because I am of the belief that, yes, there are some readers who only like to read mysteries. Cool. There are other people, a friend of mine calls me an omnivorous 
reader. I kind of read a little of everything, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. think there's a lot of people like me who kind of read a little of everything, depending on my mood. So I had to stop and ask myself, who would miss my book if it wasn't there? What is that type of person who is looking for that type of book and can't find it and would like it? And once they get used to it, if it goes away, they're going to miss it. And where do those people show up? And I spent all week thinking about this, and it only came to me this morning when I got a, a notice on my phone that one of my favorite podcasts had uploaded a new episode. And it's the podcast, Ladies We Need to Talk, and it's out of Australia. And I think it's brilliant. I recommended it to a bunch of my friends, and not all of them like it. But the people who like it, love it. And the whole thing about this podcast, it's by women, it's for women, and it's dealing with all kinds of women's issues. But they talk about things that people don't talk about in polite society, right? So yes, they talk about relationships and they talk about health and raising a family. But for example, in relationships, they'll talk about foreplay. They have a whole podcast episode about that. And some of the episodes are hilarious and some are very serious. Like the one very recently was on women's mental health and anxiety. And Yes, a lot of women listen to it, but a lot of men listen to it too. So they're talking about topics that other people are talking about, but coming at it from an angle of issues that we don't normally hear talked about, you know, in, in you know, at a cocktail party for argument's sake. And I thought, right. that is my reader, the type of women who want to talk about these issues because, you know, I'm writing primarily for entertainment but the types of issues that my characters are dealing with are the same types of issues that come up on the podcast. So like in, in the, the book that I've already written, it's about, you know, two people who don't know each other and they don't ever really know each other's identity, but they get together and they have an affair. Well, one of their episodes is about a woman who is having an affair and why she has chosen to have an affair. And it was fascinating. It was fascinating. And there's, that was one of their biggest episodes. Now, not everyone wants to talk about that. Not everyone wants to read about that. And for some people, that is completely just wrong. Other people see it more as a gray area, right? So I thought, ha, huh, these are my readers, the people who are interested in stories that dive deeper. So it's not just two single people who have never met each other before, who meet each other at the beginning of the book, and fall in love over the course of the book and are in a committed relationship at the end. It's way more nuanced than that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I'm tracking with you. Okay. And that type of reader could want to read my book today. They could want to read maybe a Nora Roberts tomorrow because that's what they're in the mood for. They might also want to read Girl on a Train because they love thrillers. They might love, you know, a good... Neil Gaiman, because they like fantasy and so forth. So they're not necessarily tied down to one story, but when they want a story that reflects their lives and the issues that they're, the real issues that they're dealing with, this is the type of story for them. Okay. So give me, so you've given me some other things that they read. So talk about like, what are their ages? What are the podcasts do they listen to? what kind of demographics as far as like socioeconomics, like, because a couple of things stood out to me as you were taught. One is you said that men listen to this as well, mm -hmm. which kind of 
points to what I said before is they obviously when like their tagline is not going to be this is for women, but also for some men who would find this interesting. Like they are clearly making a show for women, but that doesn't automatically like kick people out that aren't women. You know what I mean? And that's why I think the niching thing has such an interesting thing because logically we feel like, well, if I say, if I write, if I start a podcast that says it's only for women, then that means I'm not going to get any men that listen to it. But that's not necessarily the case, right? So my wife is a big fan of the podcast, The Liturgist. Mm -hmm. And it's like this podcast that wrestles with the idea, you know, different things with Christianity and faith. And they have a huge audience of people that aren't religious at all. And so it's just fascinating to me. Anyway, so back to what I was saying, like, can you get really, really specific? Like, if you had a cocktail party and only women that you're picturing are interested in your books are there, like the perfect women, like, who are they? What do they have in common? What do they not have in common? What other things do they listen to? What kind of movies do they watch? That kind of stuff. I think the the common thread is their worldview. Because I if I think about the types of listeners who listen to the show, because they, they talk, they interview all kinds of people and they talk about listener feedback and emails they get. And I think it, it translates very well to the type of books that I'm writing. So I initially started with thinking, well, maybe it's going to be 35 and above. Because by the time you're 35, you've lived enough life to realize that it's not black and white. There are only ever shades of gray, just because life, <laughs> life teaches you that right. whether you want to learn it or not. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have probably gotten into a committed relationship. You may or may not have had children by then, but you're into a career. So life's pressures are starting to build. In terms of demographics, that's the closest I can get. But then there's this thing I heard about called psychographics which is why people buy and what they're thinking. And I learned about this in Seth Godin's marketing seminar, and it took me forever to pull it apart and figure out what he was talking about. But this is the thing that brings this group of women together is that they all think these issues are important enough to talk about and should be talked about and want to talk about it. And I think about my running group, for instance, a bunch of, we all happen to be women in the running group, who we are all from different walks of life. Some are married with kids. Some are married without kids. Some are single parents. We've got physicians. We've got people who haven't graduated high school. The whole group, the thing that brings us together is an interest in running and in improving our health. That's it. We all like different music, different books, but that is what our tribe has been built around is our love of running. So what I'm wondering is, Can I bring a group of people together who maybe all have different demographics, but they have the same belief that this thing is important and they want to talk about it? Yeah. And so tell me, like, when you look back at the, I still don't know whether to call it a book or the books, because there's lots of little books, right? Right. It's (laughs) one story. It's in 12 parts. So I just call it the book. Yeah, it's just one. When you're looking back at it, did you have this kind of clearly in your mind that you were writing for, but you couldn't necessarily articulate it? Like, how do you feel about picking this group 
once the book's already done or mostly done? I don't think that I had it this clear. I definitely know that I didn't have it this clear in my mind when I started writing. I just knew that I couldn't find the book that I wanted to read. And of course, like every other writer, there's always ideas going through my mind, new story ideas. And the ones that are coming to me all have, they're not all the same, but they have a theme running through them. And Steve Pressfield talks about this on his blog, the Writing Wednesdays blog, the theme of your career. It's, you know, my, my characters are all very strong women. They're all dealing with, you know, these big issues in life. So when I think about the types of topics that come up on Ladies We Need to Talk, now I'm, they're coming at it from a journalistic point of view. So they're, they're coming at, you know, it's right on the nose. I'm coming at these topics from a creative and a storytelling point of view. So I'm not dealing with it as directly as Yumi Steins does on the podcast, obviously, because they're different medium. I think that it fits really well with the type of story that I've already written, but the type of storyteller that I am. Because even the thriller that I'm working on has threads of this mm -hmm. in it. So with this in mind, does it change the way you view how you would do outreach? That's a good question. Well, I mean, it certainly tells me what type of person I'm trying to find. Whereas before I was really kind of thinking I was looking for readers of romance novels. That's how I started because I thought I was writing a romance novel. And, and this is, it's not what I did at all. <laughs> but in terms of the actual legwork, I think it's exactly the same. I still have to find out where these people show up in the world so that I can go find them and talk to them. What podcasts do they listen to other than Ladies We Need to Talk? And there's a whole bunch of podcasts that talk about various and sundry women's issues. Now, I would need to obviously do my research on them to find out if they would be a good fit for me and for the type of stuff that I'm writing. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, so when I think about outreach, I can't remember if we've talked about this, but you know, there's kind of two levels to this. And I think of them as like laser approach or rifle approach mm -hmm. and shotgun approach. You know, there's, if you have your, you know, your ideal reader in mind, there's going to be opportunities where the entire audience is probably going to be interested in what you had to say, right? So if you write novels that touch on these women's issues that are very similar to something like, is it ladies we need to talk? Yes. Then if you were able to get on the podcast and be a guest on there and have a discussion, then it's like perfect, right? It's a perfect overlap. If we think of Venn diagram of what you talk about and their audience, it's like almost an exact overlap. Right. But the other way that it helps is you will, and you'll do this, you can do this kind of consciously, and then you'll also automatically do it unconsciously, is when you get other opportunities that I think of more as like shotgun approach, where this would be something like getting on another writer's podcast, right? Where, you know, the, the audience is not perfect for your book. So that means that, you know, most of the people listening won't necessarily be interested in your book, but a certain percentage will be, and you're trying to talk directly to them, right? Right. And so what it will do is it will shift a little bit how you present yourself and how you pitch them to buy your book, sign up for your newsletter, et cetera. 
So, you know, you'll need to work on this, but it could be something like, it's almost like you, you know, on the StoryGrid podcast, Sean often talks about when, you know, Steve Pressfield will write an entire novel manuscript, give it to Sean, and then Sean comes back and says, hey, the theme of your book is this. And Steve will be like, I didn't even realize that's what I was writing, <laughs> you know? So I feel like what you've done is not decide who your market is. You've discovered what you already knew your market was, right? Okay. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yes. So now that you know, you can be extremely specific and focused on telling those people that you're for them, right? So if you're on a writing podcast and when it comes time for them to, you know, they'll say, Valerie, so how do we find out more about you? You can say, well, I write fiction for women that are struggling with the real issues of life. And I make it fun, but I make sure that we, you know, talk about these challenging things. So if you're interested in something like that, pick up a copy of my book, sign up for my newsletter, you know, so that you can join in on the discussion. And then throughout the conversation, as they ask you different questions, you'll be able to like drop that in. Because what you want to do is signal to everybody listening to the podcast, whether or not you're a good fit for them. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So this is something that was dawning on me as I was trying to do my homework this week. I didn't articulate it as laser versus shotgun, but it makes a lot of sense because I think a shotgun approach makes more sense for what I'm doing. I had started trying to use the laser approach of marketing to romance readers. And there may be people who like romances who also like this stuff, but I was laser targeted on the wrong ideal reader. And I think in order to find my ideal reader, I need more of a shotgun approach so that I'm finding a few people over there, a few people over there until, you know, I have enough of a profile that I can approach ladies. We need to talk <laughs> and actually get on that podcast, right? Because they would be a, a top tier influencer, mm -hmm. right? That I, I certainly wouldn't contact them right out of the gate. I would, you know, start a little smaller and work my way up to that. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And the other thing is that the reason why I talk about the shotgun versus laser approach too is that you will always quickly run through the ones that are perfect, right? There's only so many that have a direct overlap with your audience, right? So it becomes kind of a practical necessity that you have to broaden your approach and start kind of going everywhere you can and then trying to just call readers from each of those people. Does that make sense? Right. It makes total sense. So, yeah, I mean, and the thing that I always have in mind when I'm doing outreach is like, so when I was doing stuff for, you know, your first 1,000 copies, I would go into every podcast interview or I'd go into every opportunity to do outreach. And I would think anybody in the room who's written a book is writing a book or is about to write a book, right? So any author in the room, I want them on my email list by the time I'm done, right? So, or anybody listening to this podcast, that's who I want on my, so I would go on podcasts that were for entrepreneurs. And, you know, I know that like, a larger percentage of the people listening have never written a book, aren't writing a book, aren't my audience. But those few hundred people that are my audience, I want to make sure I give them a compelling reason 
to follow up, buy my book, connect with me, join my email list, and capture those people. And so that's why, again, being really clear on who you're talking to allows you to very directly invite those people to be a part of what you're doing and give them a compelling reason. Because if you are pointing at the wrong group of people or too broad, it's not compelling enough to get anybody to take action. Okay. Right. It's that it's that same thing of like, you know, well, what do you do? Well, I do anything with websites. Okay. You know, so you need to kind of force a decision on every listener of whether or not you're a good fit for them. Okay. If you're too bland or you're like, hey, if you're interested in writing or you're interested in women's issues or you're interested in romance or you're interested in this, then I'm the person for you and you'll get nobody, right? So again, niching signals to people that you're a fit for them. And that's what you need to do first. You know, you've got to get, I always think of it as you got to get the nerds first, right? You can't become a household name out of the gate. You've got to like have the group of people that are your people that you're directly trying to find and and talk to. You know, Seth Godin talks about this kind of stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. So where are you at at this point? How are you feeling at this point? Well, I feel like a, a bit of a light bulb has gone on for me to realize that this is the people that I'm trying to reach. That's a good feeling. Okay. You know, I know, at least I know which direction I'm going in now. Now, I have to now find out where they show up in the world. First, I had to figure out who they were. Then I had to figure out where they show up. And these would be, you know, I'm, we haven't said it, but I'm making the assumption that these are already people who love to read and are looking for their next book. I'm not trying to convert non-readers into readers. I'm trying to entertain people who identify as that type of a woman who's already looking for their next book, then they can give me a try. Yes. So what I would recommend that you do is get some uh, some outreach out. So I would take those two podcasts that the other person sent you. I forgot her name. Mel. And yeah, that Mel sent you and follow up with them and go ahead and get booked to be an a guest on their podcast. And then it will give you a chance to practice, you know, threading this needle of having a discussion about what they're interested in talking about and about the topic of their podcast, while also promoting yourself as someone who writes women's fiction. And you've got to, this would be, I would say, this is another piece of homework for you is you've got to figure out how to say it in one to two sentences. Right. That's a whole nother challenge. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, for, for my thing, it was always, I help authors build their platform, connect with readers and sell more books. Right. So how it is, is I help blank do blank. Right. So I write for women who want to do real talk, you know, struggling with these types of issues, or I, I provide, you know, I write entertaining books for women that want to deal with what real life is actually like, you know, something like that. And the the exercise to go through is to first write it as one page. So write a page and just, you know, you can ramble, whatever, talk about the type of women that you're trying to write for, the type of books you're trying to write, the type of entertainment you're trying to do, the, the type of topics that you like to write around and 
write it in a page and then edit it down to a paragraph and then edit it down to one sentence. Okay. I did try this before and I came up with books for busy women because they're in short parts that they can read. And I also came up with, it's romantic, but not a romance. They're specific to the book that's already out. So should I come up with a tagline, essentially, for the book that's already out or a broader tagline for this book and the other types of books that I will write? You know, I think you're nailing it with the insight you've had about who you're writing for. I think you've just got to figure out a way to articulate it. Okay. And it will probably take you six months. But what you've got to do is come up with the version, go out, try it on, realize, okay, that doesn't sound right. Or if I say that to people, they don't really understand what I'm saying. So I'm going to tweak it and add this or take this away. But you need to get it down to where when somebody asks you, you can say, oh, I write you know, entertaining books for women that are struggling with the real issues of life. You know, mm-hmm. something that just rolls right off the tongue. And where if somebody hears that, they will very quickly make a judgment call of whether or not they're a good fit for you. Okay. Because like romance for people that don't, whatever that one was, it still doesn't really tell me who you write for. Right. You know, I do the, you know, romance for women in a hurry is not bad at all. But I do think I don't even want to say broadening it. I think just repositioning it so it encapsulates everything you're trying to do. Because what you talked about with Steve saying you can see the thread of somebody's work, like that's what he talks about in The Artist's Journey, his newest book, is that if you line up, you know, every movie a producer's made or a screenwriter's written, like they, you can see, even though they can be horrors and thrillers and romances, you can see the thread that that person's bringing to the work. And I think that's what you're trying to articulate so that you get used to inviting those people into your kind of sphere. Okay. So I think working on your one sentence and then go ahead and getting booked on those podcasts so that you can go on and start getting some practice in on podcasts that are not, don't have like, high risk to them, right? It's not necessarily your audience or not huge podcast. So if you feel like you struggle a little bit to be articulate, you don't lose much. Right. Okay. Okay. I can do that. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. See you next week. We'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Book Launch Show. For all the past episodes, the show notes, or to connect with me, you can go to booklaunchshow.com. I have dozens of free book marketing resources and articles that you can access at my website, booklaunch.com. Lastly, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another author about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at booklaunch.com. We will see you next week.